Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. I'm Judy Lutz, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. O loving God, turn away from you is to fall. To turn toward you is to rise and to stand before you is to abide forever. Grant us, dear God, in all our duties your help, in all our uncertainties your guidance, in all our dangers your protection, in all our sorrows your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. And now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God. We have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, let us pray the prayer of confession together. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, Amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us now say what we believe as written in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we'd love for you to take a, a moment or two and say hello to someone next to you.
Good morning. We are so glad you are here this morning and this beautiful day and glad you came to the nine o'clock service so you can make sure to be home for the 12 o'clock Michigan game. So uh, you don't want to miss that. So <coughs> we are uh, grateful that we get to be gathered up by the good Holy Spirit that wishes to be present with us and will be present with us. And we're thankful that we can wonder together about what God might want to be doing with us in the world. We hope that you'll fill out the friendship pads in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor and hope that by that you will find some new names on that sheet and perhaps afterwards some new friends. We uh, look forward to having you come this evening. We've been having this wonderful series on uh, Johann Sebastian Bach and hearing some wonderful music. And uh, we're delighted that we can be together to reflect upon that. So come and join us 6.30 this evening as we take our Lenten journey through uh, the beautiful uh, sounds of Johann Sebastian Bach. We also invite you uh, to be thinking and helping us prepare for our big Easter egg hunt in a couple of weeks. You see a full page talking about that in your bulletin and we hope that you'll uh, take note of all the ways by which you can help, including uh, bringing us plastic eggs and candy and, and uh, all those good things for our children um, that uh, they can have a good time on that Saturday and uh, wonder together with us about the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So that will be on April the 8th. We also invite you to take note of all the other announcements in the bulletin, including a wonderful class on Wednesday evening called A Friendlier Christianity, uh, taught by Morgan Roberts. That has been a class that's continued to grow, and we would love to have you come and reflect with Dr. Roberts about that uh, good message. We uh, also are in the midst of our generosity season, and uh, we are looking forward to receiving all of our pledge cards when you feel so led. And if you have not, if you've misplaced your pledge card, we have some available in the back of the sanctuary on your way out. Just ask an usher and they'll make sure to get you one. But uh, we look forward to uh, finding all the ways by which you will be supporting us in our ministry going forward into 2017. One very significant part of our ministry and mission is our Day of Hope. And I'd like to ask Dottie Tile to come forward. Dottie has been leading this effort. And many of you know Day of Hope is a very significant day in the summer where we get to support many, many families as they prepare to enter into school. I'm sure Dottie will tell you about that. So welcome, Dottie. Good morning. Yes, it's that time of year again. I've been asked because everybody recognizes my green T-shirt. I'm back for the third year to serve as co-chair for our sixth Day of Hope at Church of the Palms. Jesus is the true chair and leader of this important mission, and he guides us in showing love to these precious children and their families. In fact, Day of Hope is about love, loving God and loving neighbor, which just happens to be our Church of the Palm overall mission. The Day of Hope this year is on Saturday, July 22nd. I can tell you about the Day of Hope, but the photos behind me, and there they are, say it all. This local mission at our church last year helped 265 of the neediest children in our community get ready for back to school. So far this year, 19 churches in Sarasota and Manatee counties have committed to serve 2,700 children. 
The Day of Hope provides all the essential school supplies in backpacks for students to be equipped for success for the new school year. But it also provides personal care items, gift cards for new school clothes and shoes, medical exams and sports physicals, dental checkups, haircuts, photos of the family and students, and so much more. But perhaps one of the most important gifts is the opportunity to have these children and their families come onto a campus of a warm and loving church where volunteers provide smiles and Jesus' love and hope. The Day of Hope is by invitation only to students from two local schools, Wilkinson Elementary and Imagine School at Palmer Ranch. It breaks my heart that right here in this community, we have students who come to school hungry and lacking of the essential tools to help them succeed. Wilkinson is a Title I school, and 79% of the students qualify for the free lunch programs. I'm working very closely with both schools to ensure that our students attending this year's Day of Hope will be recommended directly from the student counselors and principals. Attending a Day of Hope does not necessarily qualify a family to be invited again without this recommendation from the school. I'm coming to you early as this re event requires months of planning to ensure that we serve these children and their families well. We need your donations for purchasing of school supplies. The ordering of school supplies begins early, so please consider making your donations in the near future and to be sure to designate Day of Hope on your contributions. It costs $100 per student to purchase all of the supplies and gift cards, and this is an incredible value. And over the next few months, myself and my leadership team will be under the tree, and we ask you to volunteer. The volunteer registration forms will be under the tree and also in the church office. Please join us in wearing this green t-shirt and having a fun day. And importantly, please continue to pray for these children and their families. I thank you for your continued support of Day of Hope. God is, again, on the move at Church of the Palms. Thank you.
like now to invite our newest members to come before us to be received publicly. These good folks came to a recent new members class and uh, you'll notice in your bulletin an insert that includes uh, not only their pictures, but the pictures of nine others. These are the nine o'clockers. <laughs> we have more 11 o'clockers in this class. And uh, allow me to introduce to you Rick and Arlene Gorell. Raise your hands there, Rick and Arlene, yes, yes. And Ellison Carol Dunbar, raise your hands. Welcome them into our life here, yes. You can turn and face me now. We are delighted that you have already been received into membership by our session uh, just a week ago, and you answered these questions and now have the chance to answer them again publicly as you come alongside of us in our common mission to love God and love neighbor. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. You have publicly reaffirmed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you, in taking this step, join with us in our mission of loving God and loving neighbor and seeking to become the most loving place in town. We're delighted that you are a part of our life here and rejoice to know that it is Jesus Christ that holds us together, that draws us here as a shepherd would seek all of his sheep to come to be within his common flock. So we're delighted that we get to be with you and uh, we've been with you for many years already and so we're delighted that you have taken this official step to be a part of our lives. So to that end of receiving them, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we rejoice that you have invited us all to be a part of your family. We're thankful that we can come to this place and pause and survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. We are grateful, O oh Lord, that that God who stretches out his arms upon the cross, that you are the God who reaches out to all of us to include us in your embrace. And we're thankful that you have brought these four together with us and the rest of the new members class of this past week to be a part of our fellowship. We're thankful, Lord, that we join in this common mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And pray, O oh Lord, that you will empower them with your Holy Spirit, that they may know that you have given them gifts and that they, you have given them gifts for a purpose to use for the common good and to bring the good news to bear upon people's lives. Oh Lord, may we pray that as we go about our life together as a church, that every day would be a day of hope. Every person that sees us would find that hope and that people will come to know more and more through our common mission that this church is a place of hope. We ask, Lord, that you will allow our light to shine throughout all the world, that through our mission partners, through our efforts in different parts of this globe, that you will allow us to point to the God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we pray, Lord, that we may help the world to know that there is a common way, a way of love, a, lay, a way of grace, a way of mercy. So join us, O oh Lord, as we bring these new people into our midst. Bless them and bless us all as we seek to live out our baptismal covenant to be your children. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us all to pray, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
us pray. Our most loving and great God, we come before you with gratitude and thankfulness. Accept these our offerings and ourselves as your instrument of love, peace, and justice in the neighborhood, in the nation, and around the world. For we bring these to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as our children come forward with Carol. On. I know Steve mentioned that we need candy, but if you guys have ever, ever volunteered for the Easter egg hunt, it's so much fun. So um, we do it every year. It's a great outreach. So we need plastic eggs and candy, and you can sign up to help out under the tree. Welcome, guys. Have a seat. So this Sunday, you guys want to move closer, Sydney? Come on up. We got, we, got, we got a special treat that needs to stand up here. Come on up on the steps here. So this, this Sunday we're talking about um, the gospel. There's a story in the gospel, the parable of the um, prodigal son. And Jesus told this, this story to the people so that they would help, to help them understand what God was like. So it goes like this. A man had two sons, and the younger son asked his father for his inheritance. So the father gave his inheritance to the son, and the son took the father's money and went off to another country and spent his money really irresponsibly. And he spent it on everything and anything and nothing that was important. And when he got done and he had no money left, he was sort of really hungry and realized that he didn't do a good thing, and um, he was basically homeless. And he realized he was eating... Um, he, he got so poor and so down that he ended up eating out of the pig trough. And he thought, oh man, surely my father's servants eat better than this. So he figured out, oh, what am I going to do? So he decided that he'd go home. So ashamed and broken and very hungry, he went home to his, to his father. And when the father saw the son coming home, he didn't even ask him what he was doing. He ran up, he celebrated, he had a party, threw a robe around him. He didn't even ask him where he'd been or what he'd done. He loved him so much that he welcomed him home with open arms. Well, many people think it's better to tell this story and call it not the prodigal son, but the loving father because there's many people that don't really understand how loving God is. And so I wanna show you what I mean. So, Kevin, can you help me out? Help me act this out. Here, Davis, can I have this? I want you to hold this big stick, stand up here. Well, you can stand right there. And give me a really mean, mad face, okay? <laughs> hold that pose, okay. All right, Kevin, <laughs> Peter, you've got a nice smile. So, Peter, I want you to smile and hold out this robe and these nice little warm slippers. <laughs> And smile, hold that pose like you're waiting for someone, like your best friend to come home or a kid or somebody to come home that's been lost. So, okay, now, if you guys were not living a godly life and you got into some trouble and you really were doing some bad things and you wanted to, would you want to come home to a father like this? No, you would, you would be afraid that he might get angry and beat you up with a stick or something, right? Okay, let's say you were living not a godly life and you got into some trouble and 
you had some hard times and you, and you came home, would you want to come home to a father like this? Look at that smile. He's got a robe out. He's got, he's got that loving look to him. He's even got cozy slippers. <laughs> well, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son because this is really more like what our Father God is like, is that loving Father that's just waiting for us to come home. Jesus wanted the people to know that if they ever did something wrong or they got into trouble, really bad trouble, that God was there to reach out in love before he would be angry at them and punish them. Jesus also wanted the people to know that it, it, he wanted to be with the sinners and people that were broken and lost and ashamed. He wanted them to know that God loves them no matter what they do. He's there for them. You see, many people believe that God was like an angry God, keeping watch over all the mistakes that we make and looking down on us. But instead, Jesus wants us to know that our God is a loving Father, a one that loves us. He wants to save the lost and the broken and bring us home to him. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful that you are very, like a very loving father. We're so glad that Jesus showed his love to all kinds of people, even those who did not know about God at all. Help us to always stay close to you and your wonderful love. Amen. Okay. Great. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Oops.
seated. You'll want to make sure to go out that door after the service because our new members will be outside that door and you will have the chance to greet them there along with going underneath the tree, grabbing a nice cup of coffee and also uh, finding there other opportunities to sign up for in our ministry together. Our narrative lectionary takes us today to Luke chapter 15 and Luke chapter 15 is maybe the most interesting chapter in the Bible. I have to guard myself when I say that because for me it is certainly one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. But I think I can say with some subjectivity that it is perhaps the most interesting chapter in the Bible and for many reasons. One is that there is no other chapter like it. There are three parables in this chapter offered by Jesus and we find these three parables in no other gospels. They are three parables that in many respects say the same thing. It's almost as if Jesus is repeating himself to make a point. And one of the parables, the parable of the prodigal son, which we just learned about a moment ago, perhaps along with the Good Samaritan, which is another parable only found in Luke, is the most repeated story, many believe, in all the Bible. The story, as we heard, of an independent wayward boy who gets himself in trouble, comes crawling back home, only to be met by a loving father and a crowd of friends ready to celebrate his, his arrival, and an elder brother, who can't seem to get himself onto the same page. Usually, for the sake of time and efficiency, we preachers choose to use only one of these parables to base our sermon upon. I have most certainly done that many times, but it may be in doing so that we are missing the point. Luke has it in his mind that Jesus told these stories back to back to back, and maybe for a reason. So this morning, we're going to listen to the whole chapter and then wonder what Jesus is trying to tell us. Hear the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And he would gladly have filled 
himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, Quick, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. And then he became angry and refused to go in and his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. We pray this in his name, amen. When I was eight years old, I was invited to my best friend Earl's seven-year-old birthday party. Seven or eight of us were invited to the party at his house, and when we arrived, Earl's mother wasn't quite ready, so she suggested that we go out and take a little walk around the block to get us out of her hair while she finished up with the party preparations. So we did, but the walk turned into something more than just a walk around the block. One thing led to another, and someone suggested that there was a playground nearby, and he thought that he knew where the playground was, and we made a couple of wrong turns, and then we kind of made another couple of right turns, finally figured out where it was, took a little time to play on the playground, and then we realized the sun was starting to go down. <laughs> and maybe we should make our way back home. Now remember, this was only supposed to be a walk around the block. We were gone at least an hour. So we began our way back, but we didn't know where we were going. It was getting now really dark. It was getting really dark. 
really dark and we made one bad turn which led into another bad turn and now we really didn't know where we were going and now it was completely dark and now we were getting scared and we kept walking and before we knew it by God's grace we began to recognize some houses and some street names that we recognized and finally by God's grace we got back to Earl's house and we when we walked up to the house we could not figure out why there were police cars in the driveway <laughs> And when we walked into the house, we couldn't figure out why all the parents were there. Were they invited to the party too? <laughs> Never have I seen such expressions of joy and relief and anger <laughs> all wrapped up into one group of people. Needless to say, it was the end of the party. It isn't hard to get lost. I told you a couple weeks ago about my brother Jimmy four years older than me, severely mentally impaired, never has spoken a word in his life, and at the age of eight was placed in a school for profoundly impaired children. Not long after Jimmy took residence in the school, one night the staff were making their evening bed checks and found Jimmy's bed empty. They searched the room, he wasn't there. They searched the wing, he wasn't there. They searched the floor, he wasn't there. They searched the building, he wasn't there. They commenced a perimeter search around outside the grounds. And finally, a fireman walking gently through the woods heard the sound of quiet crying, raised his flashlight and found a huddled boy next to a tree, scared, shivering, lost. And no words with which to say he was lost. And so they wrapped him in a blanket and took him home. And everyone rejoiced a lost boy was found. It isn't hard to get lost. Don't you wonder if that isn't the reason why Jesus tells us these three stories, one after the other after the other, three stories of getting lost. One a sheep, another a coin, and another a boy. The sheep, we can imagine, nibbles himself to getting lost. You know how sheep are. One blade of grass leads to another blade of grass. One good pasture leads to another good pasture. And before you know it, you look up and there, there you are all by yourself. Before you know it, you're lost. You've nibbled yourself lost. <laughs> Didn't plan on getting lost, just got lost. The coin gets lost likely because someone stopped paying attention to it. Coins don't nibble themselves away or run away. They just get overlooked. Someone puts them down and doesn't remember where they put it down or maybe a little brush to the side and a fall off the table and a roll into the corner. And before you know it, that valuable silver dollar is nowhere to be found. Lost due to lack of attention. And the boy gets lost because he thinks he knows where he's going. Typical male won't ask for directions takes the family loot, and, and there's a better life out there, he's sure, but one wrong turn leads to another wrong turn, and before he knows it, there he is, a good Jewish boy in a pigsty feeding pigs, wishing he had the food the pigs were eating, and wondering, I suspect, how did I get here? How did I get so far from my father's house? We get lost sometimes because we think we know where we're going. It isn't hard to get lost. 
A corporate executive sits in his car getting ready to go to work. But before he turns the ignition, he thinks back to when he graduated from college and interviewed for his first job. And from there, it was a nibbling from one job to another job, from one promotion to another promotion, another nibbling from one company to another company. And now he's sitting in his car, dreading to go to work because he doesn't like what he does and he doesn't like what it does to him. It isn't hard to get lost. A 14-year-old girl doesn't feel like anyone at home is paying much attention to her. Her parents are fighting. Her brother thinks she's ugly. Her grandparents think she's bad. And no one seems to see the light inside her. And so she falls off the table and rolls into the corner. And she starts cutting herself and stealing her parents' whiskey and hanging around anyone who will pay attention to her. It's hard, it isn't hard to get lost. A 30-year-old man working in the family business couldn't be more different than his father and brother. They think one way, he thinks another way. And more importantly, he thinks he can build a better widget than they can. Buy me out, he tells them. I'm gonna show you how it's done. So they buy him out. And he takes the family money, opens up a shop on the other coast, but who would have expected the Great Recession? Who would have expected the rising cost of steel? Who would have expected the real estate market to crash? And now he's foreclosed and working at McDonald's. It isn't hard to get lost. Don't you wonder if Jesus, while he's on this roll of lostness stories, one story, two stories, three stories, don't you wonder if what he wants to suggest is that there might be a fourth story, a fifth story, and a sixth story, and those stories would be your stories and mine. Our own stories of lostness. Why would the story of the lost son and the loving father be so popular, so familiar to 20 centuries of people? Maybe because there's a little bit of lostness in all of us. Is that possible? There's a little bit of lostness in all of us. Remember Ernest Hemingway's little short story about the Spanish father and son who had grown estranged? The boy had run away to Madrid to get away from his father, and after too many years, the father was led finally to reconcile with his son, so he decided to put a personal ad in the Madrid newspaper, and the ad read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. And when Tuesday comes, the father goes to the square in front of the hotel and finds 800 young men named Paco. <laughs> All looking for their fathers. There's a little bit of lostness in all of us. Maybe we've nibbled our way there Maybe someone stopped paying attention to us. Maybe we have refused to ask for directions. 
But we've all managed along the way, haven't we, to get ourselves a little off course, a little bit in a pickle, a little bit in over our heads. And who even today can say they have a clear view of what is down the road and around the bend? There's a little bit of lostness even now within us. And so isn't it interesting that when Jesus tells these stories of the lost being found, that they all end up with a party. The shepherd calls together his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. The woman calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And the father kills the fatted calf, strikes up the band, brings the whole town together to, to be about the Cupid shuffle, for this son of mine was dead and alive and is lost and is found. And don't you wonder if those folks out there dancing the Cupid shuffle are the folks who know what lostness is about, folks who know how easy it is to take a wrong turn, to, to get pushed off the table because they've got inside themselves a little bit of lostness and they know the joy of the foundness and maybe just maybe that's why that older brother can't bring himself into that party he can't quite see the lostness inside of him. He can't quite see that his air of superiority, his air of self-righteousness, his air of moral relativity has got him quite lost. That the lost brother has been found and the found brother has gotten himself lost. It's one of the great struggles of the spiritual life, right? That to the degree to which we sense that by God's grace we have been claimed by the loving embrace of Jesus Christ. And that on Sunday mornings we come inside the banquet hall to do the cha-cha slide is the degree to which we can forget how easy it is for us all still to get lost and how easy it is for someone else to get lost. And it isn't far from there to playing the blame game. Well, if they would just get their act together we say if they would just have done it right like me that we say and before we know it we're outside with that older brother with arms crossed and scowls across our face saying what's this world coming to and we can't quite see that now we're the ones on the outside of the party a few years ago a dear friend of mine who served as one of the groomsmen in our wedding took his life he suffered for years with episodes of clinical depression and struggled with some bad choices. And tragically, he saw no other option than to end his life. Now, he was one of the groomsmen in our wedding because he had been my high school youth director. He had taken me under his wing and embodied for me the unconditional love of Jesus. He kept me as a young boy on a good path. And so many of the good memories I have of my youth include his presence. But along the way, he got lost. It's not hard to get lost. And I suppose there are parts of his journey that folks could judge from afar, judge harshly. And I suspect many did. Elder brothers shaking their heads. Easy to do when you can't see the light that is inside. Easy to do when you don't know what a difference this person's made in somebody else's life. Easy to do 
when you don't understand how vulnerable you are to slipping off the road yourself. Maybe that's why Luke remembers to tell us that when Jesus told these three stories of lostness, he was sitting down at Johnny's bar and talking with the prostitutes and the pickpockets. Really, the Pharisee said, really? The prostitutes, the pickpockets? Really, Jesus says, because it isn't hard to get lost. And it's so good when you get found. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.